The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. In this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we're looking at Brexit pre-Boris Johnson. Have a listen to get a solid understanding of why the UK joined the EU, why they decided to leave, why it's so hard to leave, and the major sticking point, the good old Northern Ireland backstop. Squeeze Shortcuts is your shortcut to more than the headlines. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, the birth of the EU is linked to the end of the Second World War, the broad concept being that countries which trade together were less likely to go to war with each other. There are right now 28 member countries and the history of how each of those came to be in the EU would have us here all day. And anyway, this podcast is about the UK. So Claire, how did the UK come to be part of the EU? So the UK thoroughly supported that notion that they should be part of a European Union of sorts that would keep them together after those wars. They'd had a particularly tumultuous start to the 1900s Mm -hmm. with First and Second World War. But it wasn't until 1961 that the UK made an application to join what was then the European Economic Community, which was the forerunner to today's EU. Their application, though, was vetoed by France. Old peacetime grudges certainly die hard. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until French President Charles de Gaulle resigned from that economic community in 19 1969 that the UK was given the green light and then took a bit of time. 1972, the paperwork was finalised. So it's nearly 50 years on from joining the EU that Britain made the call to leave. Let's have a look at how that went down. So most will know that the decision around leaving the EU went to a referendum. It was voted in favour of Brexit. But just quickly, let's step back as this is certainly the knowledge gap for me. Can you explain why it even went to a referendum in the first place? Okay, put your mind back in 2015. There'd always been a bit of a push, really, for as long as the UK had been in the EU to leave. A lot of people had a lot of opinions about Europe and being part of Europe. Back in 2015, there was an influx of immigration from places like Syria and Northern Africa, lots of conflicts in those places, and immigrants were coming into Europe. Mm. Germany, you will remember, took a lot of refugees. Other countries did there too, but there was also a lot of pushback in in that space. And in that time, you'll remember, of course, across in the US, we had a guy called Donald Trump who was running (laughs) to be president. There were lots of discussions around this sort of rising sense of nationalism. And that was part of this discussion about whether the UK should stand on its own and leave the EU or whether it should remain there. This is where, and because we're talking about personalities, this is where Boris Johnson really enters the Brexit narrative. He'd been a long-time advocate for the UK to leave the EU, but in that 2015 election campaign where David Cameron was leading the Conservatives to a win in the UK general election, it was part of his platform there that he would allow a referendum on the question about whether the UK should stay or whether it should leave the EU. So at the referendum, leave one 51.9% of the vote. Remain was 48.1%, a very close result. It's interesting to also break that out by region. 53.4% of England voted for Brexit. Wales voted for Brexit, 52.5%. Scotland and Northern Ireland, however, both backed staying in the EU, 62% and 55.8% respectively. I hope you're still with me after all of those numbers. (laughs) I've been writing them down. Thank you. Good. There are a couple of major themes that affected the vote. You've spoken 
spoken about immigration, but also the cost of being in the EU was widely debated. Yeah, the cost was something that really stuck in the craw of people who didn't want the UK to be in the EU. The UK is one of 10 member states who pay more to the EU in their fees than they get out of it, and only France and Germany contribute more to the EU. On the other hand, those campaigning for Britain to stay in the EU argued that trade was easier as part of the EU. And back to immigration, the flow of immigrants, many of whom were young and keen to work, it was argued that that would fuel economic growth. Despite these arguments, the result was what it was. Q gasps from around the world, the press, particularly the pollsters, who in what has become a bit of a theme got it wrong. In this next section, we'll talk about what has gone down since that shock vote and why leaving is quite the task. The UK leaving the EU has often been described, Claire, as trying to unscramble an egg. It's a tired analogy, but if there was ever a time for it to be used, it's in relation to Brexit. Yeah, it sure is. And one of the reasons why it's been so difficult is that no nation state has ever left the EU before. Mm. It's not been done and there's no template for it. So they're really making it up as they go along. The other issue is that the UK is part of what's called the common market. Along with that, of course, is when they leave is how to set up their own economy that's independent of what's called this common market. And that's a really tricky thing. Those are just some of the questions that need to be answered as far as Brexit go or have needed to be answered. Others include what happens to EU citizens living in the UK and UK citizens in the EU? What about healthcare? What about access to welfare safety nets? What about product safety and standards? The list goes on and on. The person tasked with working through most of this was former Prime Minister Theresa May, who in fact wanted the UK to remain in the EU and that's a whole another thing. She inherited Brexit after David Cameron quit and was able to work through and get agreement on much of this. But what she wasn't able to get done was what was to happen at the Irish border. This has really become the single biggest sticking point. Let's get into it. So quick Irish history recap. Northern Ireland is part of the UK. The Republic of Ireland is a separate country and therefore will remain in the EU. The geography is important because there is a land border between the two, of course. So how you deal with that in the context of Brexit is tricky. And Claire's going to tell you why. <laughs> or at least try to anyway. You so, got this. So neither side wants to see a return to checkpoints and towers and customs posts and surveillance cameras and all sorts of things on that border. That border currently has a pretty quick flow through it. It doesn't really require any of those things. So what they want to do is try and ensure the free cross-border flow of trade and people ongoing even after the UK leaves the EU. Now, how they make that work, Theresa May hadn't agreed that with the EU, but what they had agreed was that they would keep talking about it. And as those talks progress, if they get to a point and they can't agree, there would be something called a backstop. Now, that backstop means that Northern Ireland would stay aligned to some of the rules in the European Union single market. Tricky very tricky. And that was something that people like Boris Johnson and people who were really committed to Brexit, they just couldn't stomach that. Of course, Boris Johnson is now Prime Minister. So it might be a good time to pause here. We'll head to some recommendations. And for everything that's happened post Boris Johnson becoming Prime Minister of the UK, listen to Brexit Part 2. A quick search on YouTube will bring up all sorts of clever British satire around Brexit. This is one good thing to have come out of Brexit, but it's the Aussie Brexit yoga that got us giggling, Claire. 
Yeah, Sammy J, ABC Comedy. He does an excellent Brexit yoga session. And now that you've listened to Squish Shortcuts on this, you'll be able to bring that up and have a giggle along because you know what all the jokes are about. Yeah, it's very, very clever. And on a serious note, the BBC has been an amazing resource for us on this research. Some excellent explainers around all the ins and outs. We'll put a couple of links to those sites in your episode notes. If you're looking for a shortcut to something specific, don't hesitate to reach out to us at hello at the squeeze. We'll catch you next week. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website.